Welcome to the Cutting Edge Ministries podcast. Our mission is threefold. One, to explain the goals and aspirations of the New World Order. Two, to explain how its implementation will affect the average American citizen and family. And number three, to show how families are being influenced now before we actually move into this system. Armed with this information, you will learn how you can protect yourself, your children, your family, your loved ones and friends, and live a triumphant Christian life in a most difficult world. And now, to our podcast. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Jim on behalf of David Bay, Director of Cutting Edge Ministries, located on the internet at cuttingedge.org and by phone at 800-451-8211. Today's message is Israel's Enemies Be Warned. You have embarked on Mission Impossible. Starting in 1948, Arabs have collectively tried to snuff out the life of tiny Israel, attacking her in six major wars and on countless acts of terrorism. You cannot succeed because God has set his face against you and is protecting Israel by the almighty power of his hand. You might consider my podcast today to be an open warning to all Arab leaders that they had best stop attacking God's people, the Jews. They have no concept that they are opposing Almighty God. Yes, there are pretender Jews in the land today, and right now they are in charge. Jesus foretold of this kind of Jew at the end of the age, which is why his prophecy is found in the book of Revelation. Listen to Jesus' words. I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan, from Revelation 2.9. And, behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but a lie. Revelation 3.9 During the midpoint of the tribulation, God is going to allow Antichrist to slaughter these pretender Jews, which at that time will represent 66% of the total population of Israel. This is in Zechariah 13, 8-9. However, God still views genuine Jews as his chosen people, and Israel as his chosen nation. Israel is still the apple of his eye. As we stated in News 10-10-10, titled Israel, Key to End-Time Events, God has repeatedly stated in both Old and New Testament that he was going to restore Israel back to her land in the latter days and would restore his betrothal to her. In other words, God is going to deal with Israel again as his chosen people. Since this is the case, let us first examine some of the promises God made to Israel before Joshua led the nation into their promised land in the book of Deuteronomy. We read such promises as, The Lord has declared this day, that you are his peculiar people, in 26.18. And then God promised that if the Jews would obey his commandments, he would set you high above all the nations of the earth and would bless them in all manner of living and commerce. That's Deuteronomy 28.1-14. God promised that he would prevent military defeat for Israel. He says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots, and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. 
For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Think of that promise. God will fight for Israel, giving her victory, especially in the situations where the Israelites were badly outnumbered. In fact, God gives some interesting insight into the totality of the victory he would give them what he promised. The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee, to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and flee before thee seven ways. Deuteronomy 28.7 Again, in Deuteronomy 7.23, God promised to cause great panic to set in amongst the enemies of Israel, and they were taking the promised land. Again, in Deuteronomy 7.23, God promised to cause great panic to set in amongst the enemies of Israel as they were taking the promised land. Note the Bible commentary on page 222 states that the meaning of panic is in the original language. Let us look at some startling statistics concerning Israel and her Arab neighbors. Tiny Israel, smaller than the state of New Jersey, is surrounded by a sea of hostile Arabs that want to see Israel annihilated and cast into the sea. Consider the statistics. Total Arab population surrounding Israel is 300 million. The source, United Nations World Population Estimated. Total population of Israel, 9.5 million. Source, United Nations World Population Estimated. Never in modern history have so few dominated so many so thoroughly. The Jews are outnumbered 50 to 1, and they still dominate the Arabs. How humiliating it must be for the Arabs not to be able to defeat such an outnumbered foe. Furthermore, it has not mattered that the Arabs succeeded in bringing the USSR into the conflict on their side, even though the Arabs were trained and equipped by the Russians. They have not been able to defeat Israel. Does anyone here sense the presence of Almighty God? Surely anyone who carefully considers this matter can reach no other conclusion. It would seem to me that if the Arabs simply lined up 20 million people armed with anything, they could overwhelm Israel with their sheer numbers. Yet they do not. And God's protection is the only reason the Arabs cannot win. Today the Arabs are trying to win at the bargaining table what they could never win at the battlefield. And incredibly, the Israelis seem to be giving it to them originally led by the old war hero Yitzhak Rabin. Before he was assassinated, time and again I asked myself how battle-tested army generals like Rabin and later Sharon could possibly be pursuing policies that were so obviously militarily disastrous policies that could likely so weaken Israel that she might be overcome by her Arab enemies. I have a theory, but first I need to give you some prophetic background. We need to study some of God's prophecies concerning His restored Israel in the latter days. God has much to say about how He would treat Israel after He restored her to her land in the latter days. Generally, God will be protecting Israel as He did in the Old Testament before she began to so terribly sin against His commandments. But God is also going to remarkably demonstrate his power and glory in the latter days by stirring up the prophecies around Israel to attack her, only so he can miraculously deliver her. 
The centerpiece of God's love and concern for Israel is Jerusalem. Listen to God's plan for Jerusalem in these latter days. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone, for all people, all that burden themselves with it, shall be cut in pieces, though all people of the earth be gathered together against it. Zechariah 12, 2-3 Now I appeal to everyone to carefully understand what God is foretelling in this remarkable prophecy, made almost 2,500 years ago. After he brings Israel back to her land, God is going to deliberately create the following situation to develop. Number one, little tiny Jerusalem is going to be the center of attention and agitation for all the people who are living around it. These people, the Arabs living around Jerusalem, are going to be mightily agitated over Israel's control of Jerusalem. Number two, the Arab people surrounding Jerusalem are going to come against it in such a way that the situation will appear as though they have Jerusalem surrounded as in a siege. Later, in the Great Tribulation, we know that this is going to literally happen. In other words, an overwhelming enemy force is going to lay siege to Jerusalem and will have begun to enter the city. When Messiah comes from heaven to destroy them by speaking one word, this annihilation is foretold in Revelation 16.16 and is called the Battle or Slaughter of Armageddon. Certainly today's newspapers tell a story that exactly corresponds to this prophetic picture described in points 1 and 2. The Arabs have Israel and Jerusalem completely surrounded in such an overwhelming manner that the average Israeli citizen must feel as though he is in a siege. And the Arabs have succeeded in manipulating the Palestinians so that they are creating an Arab state within the tiny land of Israel, a sharp dagger seemingly poised just inches away from the Jewish heart. In fact, when the Oslo peace process is completely carried out, Israel will be nearly cut off, north from south, with only a narrow strip of land a few miles wide joining the two segments. One does not have to be a military genius to understand that at that point Israel will be in dire peril. Militarily, if an attack came from within the newly created Arab state, Arab forces will have little difficulty cutting off the northern segment of Israel from the southern segment. Arab forces might be able to defeat Israel before her armed forces could be fully mobilized. It takes 72 hours to mobilize Israel's reserve. Leaders like Abbas had always made it quite plain that he continually looked to the Koran for his current strategy in dealing with Israel. In the Koran, the Prophet Muhammad states that if the Arabs face an enemy so strong they cannot defeat them, they are to sue for peace. Once peace gets underway, the Arabs are to secretly build up their forces while simultaneously trying to lull their strong enemy into a false sense of security. Then, when the time is right, the Arab forces will spring into military action, totally defeating their enemy. This is the ruse, and leaders have been caught on tape explaining this ruse to other Arabs.
Point number three. The final point God makes is that all who try to destroy Jerusalem shall themselves be cut into pieces. The picture here is that of a person falling upon a huge rock, being smashed into many pieces. Arab leaders, are you listening? In Amos 9.11, God foretells that in the last days he will cause the Old Testament temple worship to be reestablished, raise up the tabernacle of David. Then, in verse 12, God says that this restored Israel will possess the remnant of Edom. The people of Edom are the descendants of Esau, Jacob's older brother, and the present land which they inhabit is east of the river Jordan which is mostly the land of Jordan, including the Palestinians. In verse 14, God foretells that his newly restored Israel shall be very prosperous, both agriculturally and economically. Then in verse 15, God says, And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Do you hear that, my Arab leaders? Once God restores Israel back to her land in the latter days, he will personally assume responsibility for protecting her, so much so that he confidently promises that the Jews will no longer be torn up out of their land. Daniel 12.1 gives us an interesting picture of how God's protection might be carried out. Speaking of the time of the end of the age, God foretells that Israel will be going to face such a threat of annihilation that the great angelic princely angel Michael is going to have to stand up from his throne to deliver Israel. All Arab leaders who are currently plotting against Israel, and they all are, should take this warning to heart. Of course they won't because they despise the God of Israel, the Almighty Creator. They are literally fighting against God. This is why they have never been able to defeat Israel in the past, and why they never will in the future. All their plotting and scheming will not only result in defeat, it will result in total annihilation of their nation. Consider Obadiah. Verse 15 abruptly shifts the emphasis to the day of the Lord, which is the end of the age. The entire book is written to the Edomites, the descendants of Esau who had so thoroughly afflicted Israel all throughout history, in verse 15. God foretells that he will bring judgments upon Edom and the entire house of Esau. These are the Arabs immediately surrounding Israel. God is telling that his physical judgment will begin to fall upon these Arabs for the way in which they have consistently mistreated Israel in the past and it would seem in the present. But God uses extremely strong language here. He says in verse 16 that these Arabs will be forced to completely drink from God's cup of judgment, and they will be destroyed as though they have not been. Wow, does this mean that every Edomite, Palestinian man, woman, and child will be killed? This is what the language says, and one thing I've learned in studying prophetic scripture is that God truly is literal, no matter what modernists would have you believe. In verse 17, God states, On Mount Zion, which is in Jerusalem, the people shall be delivered, shall be holy once again, and that the house of Jacob shall possess its own former possessions. From the Bible Commentary on page 
10.27. Now that is quite a statement. What could possibly mean that on Mount Zion it shall be holy once again? I think it probably means that the Jews will be able to rebuild their temple on the Temple Mount, which is Mount Zion. And it also probably means that the Arabic Dome of the Rock will be torn down. Interestingly, the plan of the New World Order calls for such a destruction of the Dome of the Rock, on page 233. Such a destruction, of course, will not be by human hands, but by an expected earthquake. The New World Order author, Peter Lemassur, states plainly that such a destruction would allow the Jews to rebuild their temple, thus enhancing the Messianic initiative. This means that such destruction would take place after the New World Order Christ has appeared and has convinced the Jews that he is their long-awaited Messiah. This is just another exciting instance where New World Order plans parallel biblical prophecy. Now let us return to Obadiah, verse 18, which states, A fire will be in the house of Jacob and a flame in the house of Esau, which, of course, speaks of the entire nation Israel. This flaming fire evidently explodes out of the nation of Israel, absolutely engulfing the house of Esau, burning them to stubble, consuming them so completely that there shall be no survivor of the house of Esau, today's Palestinians. Read our news, 2095, for more. Suddenly, all of Israel's immediate Palestinian enemies shall be totally gone, annihilated, by some kind of fire coming out of Israel. Verses 19-21 foretell that the Israelites will immediately possess all the land that is formerly inhabited by the house of Esau. This land corresponds to the following current Arab nations in the Middle East. Now, let us speak of this fire exploding out of Israel and consuming the house of Esau. In June 1990, I read an editorial in the Boston Jewish Advocate. The Jewish author was most adamant in describing the deadly threat that would exist if the Arab nations ever possessed tactical nuclear weapons. The option of these military leaders was that Israel had to carry out a preemptive strike before the Arabs could possess tactical nuclear weapons. However, Israel possesses a fuel air bomb, which is called a poor man's nuclear weapon, and this meant total annihilation of the Arab nations, not just winning another war against them. Every war Israel has fought since returning to her land has only set the stage for the next war. In the case with nuclear weapons, Israel must totally annihilate her Arab enemy, for he otherwise would respond quickly with nuclear weapons, total annihilation. Now we need to return to our discussion of the Oslo peace process between tiny Israel and her Arab neighbors. The proposed land for peace process made no military sense, as every military man in the world knows fully. Yet the old generals, Rabin and Sharon, were fully pursuing such a suicidal plan. Why? I think, and this is purely personal opinion, that Israel's generals and top political leaders have sprung a trap for the Arabs to fall into, aiming directly at the instructions in the Quran of trying to use the peace process as a ruse to annihilate your enemy at the proper time, when he has let his guard down. I believe it's possible that successive Israeli prime ministers decided to give the appearance 
to Arafat and the Arab neighbors that he is given in to the insistent demands for a Palestinian state within the heart of Israel, knowing full well they will use this state as a means with which to destroy Israel. With the entire world witnessing the complicity of the Arabs in preparing to attack, Israel will strike preemptively. While the Palestinians will be completely annihilated in fulfillment of Obadiah 15-18, through 18, the other Arab nations will be so destroyed their government will likely fall. In Scripture, God foretells latter days judgments in these nations. Isaiah 13, a moment of judgment against Babylon of old, which today is Iraq. Isaiah 15-16, through 16, a mournful judgment against Moab, which is the east of the Jordan River and one of Jordan's provinces today. Isaiah 17, a mournful judgment against Damascus, capital of Syria. Damascus is known today as the world's most continuously occupied city. Since it was established, Damascus has never been totally destroyed. She has continuously been inhabited. Yet God's prediction is that she will cease to be a city and will become a heap of ruins. 17, verse 1. Isaiah 19, a mournful judgment against Israel for destruction. Each of these verses begins with God's standard phrase of judgment, the mournful inspired prediction, a burden to be lifted up. And they have never been fulfilled, in contrast to the similar predictions of judgments found in Isaiah 21 through 23, have been historically fulfilled. I find it interesting, also, that these nations are not listed in the nations who are going to be marching with Russia from the south and the north of Israel, as foretold in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Persia, Iran, is mentioned, but none of these nations above. Understand this in these last days of the age. Israel will be consistently attacked, and her defeat will seem imminent. But God has promised that he will fight for her, annihilating her longtime Arab enemies. How and when that fire and flame come exploding out of Israel will be a matter of conjecture until it actually happens. But this one thing I know, all other Arab leaders plotting Israel's destruction are engaged in Mission Impossible. Their efforts will only result in their own destruction. I wish Bill Lambert, the occult leader of the House of Theosophy, to have the last words. In his seminar, Possible and Probable Events in the Future, held in the Boston headquarters of the House of Theosophy on August 18, 1991, Lambert stated that the Middle East was a key as far as producing the New World Order Christ. He stated the impetus towards This type of settlement is made possible only because of general fear of war. This fear of war must be maintained until the desired political and religious changes have been instituted. Watch Israel, one of God's keys to determining the imminent timing of the new world order. Are you spiritually ready as your family? Are you adequately protecting your loved ones? This is the reason for this ministry, to enable you to understand the peril facing you, and then help you develop strategies to warn and protect your loved ones. Once you've been thoroughly trained, 
You can use your knowledge as a means to open the door of discussion with an unsaved person. I have been able to use it many times and have seen people come to Jesus Christ as a result. These perilous times are also time when we can reach many souls for Jesus Christ, making an eternal difference. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but have been very lukewarm in your spiritual walk with Him, you need to immediately ask Him for forgiveness and for renewal. He will instantly forgive you and fill your heart with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Then you need to begin a daily walk of prayer and personal Bible study. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, but have come to realize His reality and approaching the end of the age, and want to accept His free gift of eternal life, you can also do so now in the privacy of your own home. Once you accept Him as Savior, you are spiritually born again, and are as assured of heaven as if you were already there. Then Spirit stands at the precipice of the appearance of the Antichrist and his false prophet. Are you born again? Go to our website, cuttingedge.org, and click on the Salvation tab. You can contact us by phone at 800-451-8211 or by mail or email at the address on our website at www.cuttingedge.org. Thank you for listening to us, and God bless, and may he... Maintain a hedge of protection around you and your family and give you peace.